Hello, ladies, and welcome to my podcast, Living a Sustainable Faith with Krista. It's Talkable Tuesday. This is where you will hear short, encouraging talks from the Word, and then have a hand-lettered printable made by myself attached for you to print off and continue to be encouraged by God's Word throughout the week. It's my desire to encourage you to be in God's Word, because when you are in His Word, you will grow in your faith and your life will be full. Let's go ahead and get started. You and your soul are going to love it. Last week, I introduced the topic of humility, and I invited you to go on a little journey with me for the rest of July and August to discover what God's Word says about humility. It seems like, isn't it kind of crazy, but crazy cool, that when the Lord lays something on your mind or on your heart that you need to learn, that immediately situations seem to arise that show you your lack. And that happened to me just this morning. Some things went on and I was shown and it totally dawned on me that I was not acting in humility. And you know, our enemy is so good at bringing situations around us that make us feel like we failed. And we failed at this thing that we want to do or that we know we should be doing. And in this case, for me, it was being humble, having humility. And I think he does that just to discourage us. But you know, I've kind of come to know that when things like this happen, situations come up and I may not reach the mark, I know I'm on the right track because certain things wouldn't come up in order to show me that I need this and discourage me from not doing it because I know that I need it and God is with me and God is going to teach me and hopefully teach you and change you and change me. So I know I'm on the right track when situations come up and show me that I need to be doing a certain thing. So I'm encouraged, but it's kind of crazy. And I'm excited that you're going to go on this journey with me for the next few weeks to look into God's word and see what he says about humility and hopefully come on the other side a little bit more humble. As we go through this journey in the weeks to come of learning about humility, I want us to keep in mind and ask ourselves four questions. One, the first one, am I humble? Number two, what does being humble look like in day-to-day living? Number three, why does God call us, call you, call me, call his followers to be humble? And number four, how would the world look if we did this one thing? being humble. So those are the questions that I would like us to ask ourselves as we go through this little journey and looking into God's word on what he says about being humble. We are having a beautiful, sunny, summery day today. And so in the background, you may hear my, uh, as the power comes into our battery bank, it totally charges up and it turns everything on every now and then. And uh, we are on full power, which is really great for us. But I'm sorry, you'll have to excuse the background noise there. When I do a study about a word, I like to go to the dictionary and get the definition. And this kind of just sets the tone so that we're all on the same page. And so in this case, I'd, I'd like to look up and read the definition of humility. So we're all on the same page. I looked up the definition of humility and humility can be used as a noun, an adjective, or a verb which is really interesting to me. Humility is something, it's a person, place, or thing. It's something you can have. It's a statement, 
right? The, the quality or state of being humble. It's an adjective. It can describe someone or something as being humble. You can possess it as a characteristic. As a verb, it's an action. And the word humility comes from the Latin word humilius, which means low. And the definition of humility is freedom from pride or arrogance, not being haughty, of low ranking or low hierarchy, insignificant, unpretentious. Other synonyms for humility is demureness, down-to-earthness, humbleness, lowliness, meekness, modesty. And in the definition, at the end of the um, online, at the end of the definition, it had different quotes from authors who describe humility. And they actually quoted from the Bible. And they quoted Proverbs 11, 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. How cool is that? There is the definition of humility. This is what God wants us to have. And so I'm excited to look into God's word with you to see what he says about humility. I have been doing Priscilla Shire's new Elijah study. And about a week and a half ago, I was on week four, day four. And the title of that section was You First. I want to start our study off looking into God's word with looking at the character the prophet Elijah. God gives us such great examples sometimes in his word. And so I want to look at Elijah. In this part of Priscilla's study on Elijah, Elijah was calling everybody to Mount Carmel. Elijah had already talked with King Ahab, told him there was going to be a drought. He fled to the river. God fed him there, supplied for his needs there. The river dried up. He traveled to where he met a widow. God performed miracles and she supplied food for Elijah. And God sustained Elijah and the widow and her son through this drought period. And Elijah had been learning for years to rely on the Lord. And so now we have come to the place of Mount Carmel. And Elijah has called everybody to be there. And Elijah, believe it or not, the Israelites are there. The prophets of Baal are there. King Ahab's there. Jezebel, they're all there. And Elijah feels totally alone. And the Israelites are there too. And, I, and I'm and i kind of thinking, why would he feel so alone? Well, Priscilla had us read 1 Kings 18 verses 20 through 22. And I'm going to read those for you. Here is what it says. And I'm grabbing my Bible. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. So the people were totally faltering at this point. They were believing in the Lord and they they were believing in Baal. They were like walking the wire, right? It goes on to say, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Elijah felt totally alone at this moment. How interesting is that? We know from the story, something awesome is going to happen. And Elijah feels alone. Elijah goes on in this chapter to tell the prophets of Baal to pick a bull. There are two bulls there. He told them to pick a bull, cut it into pieces, place everything on the altar. Don't light a fire underneath the wood and then call on their God. He let them go first. And I want to read 1 Kings 18, 23 and 25. I'm going to keep going in that passage. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. This is Elijah. And let them choose one bowl for themselves, cut it into pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bowl 
and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bowl for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So he is allowing the prophets of Baal to go first. Why would he do this? Why would he have them go first? I want to read from um, Priscilla Shire's study. This is what she says about that. When you know that God is for you, when you know his spirit lives within you, and when you're convinced, as the gospel says you can be, that his favor and presence rests upon you, you are no longer consumed with insecurity about the odds that may be stacked against you. Neither the best nor the biggest is an comparison for having God's blessing and backing. So Elijah knew that God was for him. It reminds me of a passage in Romans 8, 31 through 39. I want to read it to you real quick. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he, the Lord, not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God's in control. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or a sword? For it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. God is in control of our lives. No one else. Then the passage continues on and says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just like Elijah, we can know who God is, and we can know that he is for us. Priscilla Shire goes on to say in her study, and let me read that for you, Elijah knew the only fire that was going to fall that day would be coming from Yahweh's hand. He knew it. That's why an absolute confidence could brim within his heart. His willingness to wait, defer, and lead from a position of humility communicated the assurance of his conviction. He basically said, you can go first and I'll take God's fire. Is that crazy? Elijah was able to stand in humility because he knew that with the Lord, he was more than a conqueror. Then Priscilla goes on to ask the question, do you believe that your God is the one true God or not? Because if we do believe that God is the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we can be humble and take our stance just like Elijah. We will not have the desire or the need to shove, to be first, to defend our position, to speak first, to go first, and to be number one. We'll be content to be last because we know that God's ultimately in control and he has this whole life experience, you could say, in his hands. Isn't that awesome that we can have that assurance? And it's all done in humility. James 4, 1 through 10 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet 
but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you are asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. Now that little verse right there popped out to me. We're going to choose whether we're going to be a friend with the world and an enemy with God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? The Lord knows that we need to be humble. His spirit dwells in us. The Lord is humble. Humility is key, and he gives more grace. That is why scripture says, as we continue to read in James, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And that's found in Proverbs 3.34. James goes on to say, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and flee from him. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Basically, James is saying, don't go the way of the world. Don't do what the world says to do and how to do it, which is usually a bunch of selfishness. Be humble. And when we do, the Lord will lift us up. And his joy comes. The joy that remains. Not the giddy joy of the the world. The the joy in your soul will come. And why don't we have, as James up at the first part of that section, uh, uh, excuse me, of that passage says, um, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. We're not asking in humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. We are not coming from a stance of humbleness, meekness, lowliness, down-to-earthedness. God has so much to say about humility. And today, we've only just touched a tip of the iceberg. How exciting is that, ladies? This is just a little little taste of what God calls us to be humble and why. So let's go back and answer those questions I posed at the beginning of this talk and that I want us to continue to ask ourselves as we go through this journey the rest of this month in August. The first question was, am I humble? Are you humble? Am I humble? I can tell you from this morning, I am lacking humility. Elijah is an awesome example of being humble. Number two, what does being humble look like in day-to-day living? Isn't it awesome how we get examples from God's word? How was Elijah humble? He let them go first. He went last. He let the prophets of Baal do their thing. He stood with a surety. He knew that with God, he was more than a conqueror. And he knew that God is the one true God who would bring down fire. And he stood in humility. But he stood there and he stood alone. There were not people coming around him at that moment. So what does humility look like in day-to-day living? Looks like letting others go first, right? Number three, why does God call us, call you, call me, his followers to be humble? When we have humility, we have confidence and security in the Lord to know that he is the one true God. And if we know this in our souls and minds, then we are more than conquerors in our day-to-day lives. And if we know this in our souls and minds, 
then we are more than conquerors in our day-to-day lives, as James 4 talks about. We can stand with assurance no matter what the world throws at us, no matter the circumstances, we know God is God. So then we do not have to be first all the time. We can let others go ahead of us. And when it is time to speak, when it's time to move, time to act, we will do this in the Lord's time because we're leaning on him. Just like Elijah did with the priests of Baal. And Elijah knew who had the fire. So he calls us to be humble so that we can be assured and stand in assurity and confidence that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Question number four, how would the world look if we did this one thing, if we were humble? You know, if everyone had the mindset to let others be first, what would that look like? I can only imagine what that would look like. There'd be no fighting to be first for that next thing, bobble or trinket. The scurrying around to make sure all your needs are met before everyone else. Priests of Baal sure did that. They were flailing and, and, and doing their dances and everything all morning long to get Baal to answer. You know, it reminds me of uh, my husband and I lived on the Oregon coast for numerous years and we had so many power outages every winter. And every winter, the same situation happened. The stores would be totally ransacked and the shelves would be empty of all water, any type of bottled water, and the shelves would be empty of all the non-perishable food. Mark and I learned real quick that we would have a little stockpile so we wouldn't have to go to the store because people were crazy. They would be rude. They would shove. They would vie. They're selfish. They Get mine. Get mine. I got to get my water. If humility was practiced, I bet that scene in the stores would be totally different. No scurrying or shoving or pushing would need to happen. People would get what they need and they would leave some for others. They would leave a few jugs on the shelf. They wouldn't feel like they had to take 20 jugs. They would just take a few. And that way, everybody would be able to have some. You know what, ladies? I think the world is waiting for God's people, for you, for me, to demonstrate this characteristic of the Lord, humility. Our enemy sure doesn't want this. Our enemy wants selfishness, not humility. Ladies, let's pray for more humility. Your soul will love it. And the world will benefit from it. I have a printable for you today from James 4, verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I want to encourage you to print it off, post it up, pin it up, and be encouraged and be reminded to be humble. Let others go first. Stand firm in your knowledge and your surety of God. God is God, just like Elijah. He stood on Mount Carmel. He let everyone go first because he knew who had the fire. If you enjoyed today's Talkable, I want to invite you to be part of my email list. I would love to send you an email when new posts, printables, and podcasts are ready to encourage you to be in God's word. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you next time on Talkable Tuesday. And I'm Krista with Living a Sustainable Faith.